a cappello is, is never easy. Uh, I know I've watched our girls, and you say, have you done it? I do everything a cappello. I do everything alone. Because uh, uh, that's what I sing in the shower. But the... Uh, but the, I watched them, and they go, and they work so hard on those a cappella songs. That was beautiful. They really did a great job. All right. Uh, I want you to go to Second Samuel. Second Samuel, we were at this morning. Second Samuel chapter um, 12, I believe. Chapter 12. For some reason, I keep failing to put that down in here, but... 2 Samuel chapter 12, look at verse 15. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 15, it says, And Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of the house arose and went to him to, to raise him up from the earth, but he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. And the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? But when David saw that the servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. Then said his servants unto him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive. But when the child was dead, thou didst rise and eat bread. And he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me, that the child may live? But now he is dead, wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? Shall I go to him? Uh, I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you're blessed tonight, Lord Jesus. I, I ask you to please again guide my mind, and Holy Spirit of God, I I yield myself to Thee and ask You, please, to fill me with Your presence, Your power. Lord, I, I don't want to waste anybody's time, and I, I know if I speak that it's just it's, it's a waste of their time. Lord, I pray, please, Spirit of God, that You'd speak through me, that You would fill me with Your Spirit, that You'd anoint me with fresh oil, that You would guide my thoughts and, my, and, and everything that I would say, and You'd give me clarity of mind. And, and Lord, I, I pray, please, that You would wrap Your arms around this place as a mighty hedge of protection. And you would turn back every evil one that would try to take the thoughts away from us that you would have us to have and, and take away that which you would have us to hear. God, I need you, and we need you, and we yield to thee. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, of course, this is the story that we read this morning, and we're reading a little bit, uh, a little less of it, a little different portion of it, but this is uh, the same story we read this morning. The title tonight, though, is, is called... I'm naming this two deaths, two deaths. We see a repentant David who fasts and prays that God might allow his son to live. And David is, at this moment, he has repented of his sin, but now he knows that God has pronounced judgment, and he knows that God has said the child is going to die, but, 
But he's still fasting and praying that maybe God might show grace, God might show mercy, and, and, and maybe that uh, God might allow this, his child to live. We don't know when the child became sick. I, I've read back and forth through this trying to determine kind of how, you know, if there's any way to tell how old this child is. I mean, sometimes you read it, you think it was just born and he was sick and he, and he died. Um, really don't know. There's some things that sort of imply some things. We, we don't know when the child became sick. It seems the way the scripture reads in verse 18 that the child may have only lived seven days. The verse 18 says, it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. You say, well, well that seems to be clear there, but but in the context where it's talking about that, that, that little phrase, you know, those seven days, it, it can mean a couple of different things. But, uh, it, of course, this could be seven days of illness also, the way it's written. It could be seven days of the illness. It could be on the seventh day of David fasting and kind of getting ahead of myself, but, but those types of things. But, but since here's the only little bit of circumstantial evidence I guess I'd throw out there is that since it always says the child, the child, the child, and never gives a name, uh, then I think that may imply that, that, uh, that it was seven days since the birth because normally in the Jewish tradition, on uh, eight days, the, child would, the, the male child had been circumcised, and on the eighth day when he was circumcised, he would be named. That was the normal time that he'd be named. So it, it, it sort of looks like that he might have been seven days old when he died. And so just, it's not vitally important, but I think it's, it'll help us a little bit. So this child, if it's seven days old, we have to understand that it, we got this very, very, this infant child, seven days old, and forgive me, but this child is the product of an adulterous situation. But I believe those two things, as we read here, are going to demonstrate or actually illustrate to us the level of love that David had for the child. You see, if you really deal with people very often, what you'll find out is that sometimes children become an inconvenience to them. And this could have very easily been, we're talking about the king of a nation and he has a an a illegitimate child. Forgive me, but it almost would be beneficial to him the way much of the world thinks, and, and some people think this way, almost beneficial if that problem would go away. Do you understand? I mean, there are people, many, honestly, in this situation blame the child for the inconvenience that the child brings to their life. That's why we have abortion and partial birth abortion. And, and it, why do we have that? Basically, it's just it comes down to the child's going to be an inconvenience. And so we don't want to deal with that inconvenience. Well, this is also another inconvenience, so to speak, an inconvenient situation and a constant reminder of, of the sin and a constant reminder of the judgment. But here's what David does, though. We've got this very, very young child, that, and I say very young, seven days old. So, again, this is the king, and in and, and this day and time, multiple wives and multiple children, and now you've got this one infant, and, but somehow David demonstrates great love because it says 
David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. Verse 17 says, The elders of this house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth, but he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. He's fasting and he's praying and he's humbling in himself, falling upon the earth. And again, you have to understand, this is the king. You know, what to God we'd have a president to do that. Any president that would do that. That would just fall on his face and, and, and humble himself and fast and pray for someone like this. And this is his child. This is the king, but he humbled himself before the people and before God for the life of this child. So I think it's a demonstration of the, the level of love David had for this child. Now, how long he fasted, again, is up for debate, for it says he lay all night, but then, as we've noted, it says the seventh day. And so I don't know if it's saying he laid all, lay all night, night after night, and then it was the seventh day of this. Again, I think it really means the seventh day of the child's life and that David lay all night this one night. But we really don't know for sure. But when the child dies, the scripture says this. It says, but when David, verse 19, but when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said unto his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. Verse 20, we're going to read several verses here. Then David arose from the earth and washed himself and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. And I guess I won't read all of it. Verse 21 says, Then has said his servants unto him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive. But when the child's dead, thou didst rise and eat bread. So they're confused because here he is. He's fasting and praying. And, and, the, and again, in their minds, you ought to be devastated because the child is dead. But you're acting as though, in their, their context, they're thinking, you're acting as though he's already dead, already died. Uh, before he dies, and now you know now that he's he's gone, you're up washing yourself, and not everything's okay. But in a sense, they're wondering you appear like everything's okay. Now, what has happened here? David is at peace, for he knows the child is in heaven with God. From the text, from what we just read, he says, but now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. David is, is very confident that he knows where this child is. He's very confident that he knows exactly. Uh, and look, I don't think David is worried. He's not uh, wondering where the child's going or wondering where he's going. He knows both of them are going to be with Jesus. David does not weep as those who have no hope. David does not weep even for the regret that might have been in his life. He doesn't. He's not regretting now because, and watch this, folks. Once you've messed up and you've fessed up, then get up and go on. And, and you know what? Don't be looking back in regret. Don't look back in regret because you can't change yesterday. The truth is, is that you can barely deal with today, but you can make a difference tomorrow. So David does not weep even for regret. For David has done all that he could for the child to live. And listen, he really has. He's humbled himself. He's repented. He's fasted. He's prayed. He put it in God's hand and sought God's mercy. And the child, God chose to bring it home to him. 
He's done all he could. Amen. Folks, you want to know that you've done all you could. And I'm, I'm sure in addition to all those spiritual things, I have a sneaking feeling that they, he had the best care that they could possibly give him, the best doctors, the best treatment that they could possibly give this child. Now, just to illustrate this a little bit, the, uh, today, uh, you know, I, honestly, I, I, I needed to, to do some more work on this sermon. I've been fairly tired here recently, and so I thought maybe I'd get a little bit of rest this afternoon. When I, when I arrived in my dad's room today, I realized he was not as sick as he was in despair. And I realized how much he's living in fear and loneliness. And so after a few minutes, I just looked at him and I said, Dad, I know you're weak. I know you're tired. I know these stairs are horrible. But are you willing to get up and let's go outside? Sit on the porch. You've got to get out of this room. We got him up and went went downstairs to the porch. Joe Beth fixed us lunch, and we sat outside and, and ate outside, got plenty of exercise, swatting flies. We talked for a long time, and then after a long time out there on the, the porch and talking, and I don't know, it was probably about 3.15 or 3.30 or something like that, and Dad finally said he was ready to try to to go back up, and I begged him to let me carry him up, and he just, uh, I won't tell you how he expressed it, but he, uh, he told me that I was not going to carry him up, and he walked back up the stairs, crawled, walked, everything in between. And why did I, why I wanted to know in my heart, and I'm trying so hard here recently, I'm not a great conversationalist. And I'm trying so hard through my wife's encouragement. I'm trying so hard to, to know I've done all that I could and been all that I could while he's alive. The day he leaves us, I will know he's in heaven and I will know he will not come back to me, but I'll go to him. And I want before, in this interim, I want to try to give every moment that I can. And I, and I don't want to have regrets that I could have spent more time. So I'm going to give you just a few things as far as the relationship. When I see out of this seven-day-old child and the relationship David had with him and the importance that you have, this relationship, that when they're gone, and look, the... The, the time that you get hit about your relationship the most is when they no longer are here. But our number one is this. Make the most of your opportunities with those you love. Make the most of every opportunity. I, I just, I, I can't prove this, but I just have a sneaking feeling that, 
that, that David, after the pronouncement that God had made, Nathan had made upon this child, I believe from the time that child was born until the time that child died, if it was seven days, I have a sneaking feeling that David stayed in fasting and prayer and, in, and, and, and probably in the vicinity of being able to see that child for that entire time, night and day, to take advantage of every opportunity. And, and, and folks, I, I just beg you, you, you've heard us teach, and I'll continue to teach, that relationships are more important than our opinions. Relationships are more important than, our, than having our way. Relationships are more important than a dollar. Forgive me, relationships are more important than an inheritance. Relationships are more important, and, 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 and I just believe we need to make the most of the opportunities we have to be with the ones we love while we can. I think number two is to take advantage of the time you have together. I think you make, it, make the most of your opportunities, but it's even something even more intense to, that when now you've got time together, spend time together, be together. Uh, make the most of every moment that you have together. Uh, number three, you see this in David's, David's life. Fast and pray for those you love. You say, well, I'm frustrated with them. They, they quit griping about them and fast and pray for them. You say, well, I don't agree with them. They quit talking about not agreeing with them and fast and pray for them. Listen, I beg you, I don't care who you have a conflict with, Fast and pray for them. Listen, God knows you mean business when you fast. I love what, I will never forget, we had our fast, our corporate fast at the beginning of, of this year, and, and I, I, I love this. This is Brother Dave all over. He came to my wife one day, and he said to her, he said, I'm fasting. And we were like, sure, Brother Dave, you're fasting. You can't take, you know, 15 minutes without something to eat. And he said, I am too. Told my wife, he said, I am too. I'm fasting. He said, I'm not having snacks in between meals. <laughs> That's Brother Dave. And you know, I think he was telling the truth. <laughs> now, I think you need to fast and pray for them. God sees that as serious. And we need to, you know what, forgive me, but look. We need to be more than, than these cursory prayers and, the, and, you know, Lord bless us and be good to us. And, and look, get intense, get focused and pray for the people. Weep for them. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And I believe that's when we weep during our prayers, it makes a difference. Number four, forgive them. You say, you see that in, 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 in David? Uh, yeah. Because it's so easy, again, so easy to blame even the child. Because if a child hadn't come along, nobody had ever known this sin. Sorry, David, they would have, but forgive. Forgive. You say, you don't know what they did to me. I know what, what you refusing to forgive is doing to you. It's destroying you. Number five, humble yourselves for them. I love this. David in the front of God and man laid out in the dirt. 
David, in front of God and man, laid out on the floor, and he fasted and he prayed. But he just as fast and pray. The king is laying out in the dust and dirt. You know what? He's humbling himself before God and man. And I believe we need to humble ourselves and quit thinking of ourselves somehow better than anybody else, or we're right and they're wrong. Humble ourselves and just understand God's right and we're wrong. Number six, repent of the wrong that you've done toward others. Simply say, I am sorry. Right. You know, folks, can we do that? I, I think some people would choke on that. Can we say it all together? When I say three, I'll say one, two. <laughs> one, two, three, you say, I am sorry. One, two, three, I am sorry. You didn't mean it. No, it's really not that hard to say. David, when this child died, had no regrets. He had no regrets. And again, when he's fasting and praying, and I, I can't prove this, but I just have a sneaking feeling that David leaned over to that crib and said to a little one that was suffering an illness, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done to you. But there's another death in the life of David. You're going to have to get to your Bibles now. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 18. 2 Samuel chapter 18. Second Samuel chapter 18, if you look at verse 31. Verse 31, it says, And behold, Cushai came, and Cushai said, Tidings, my lord, the king. For the Lord hath avenged thee this day of all them that rose up against thee. And the king said unto Cushai, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushai answered, The enemies of my lord, the king, and all that rise against thee to do thee hurt, be as that young man is. And the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, thus he said, O oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee, O oh, Absalom, my son, my son. You see the story, many of you know the story, but We've seen this previous story. We know that David sinned and sinned with Bathsheba and the child and the child dies and how David reacted, how David fasted and prayed. And I just gave you several things I think David did in the life about this child and the relationship with his child. And, but when the child dies, David rises up, he washes himself, he eats his food, and he simply says to the people when they question him, hey, it's okay, I know where he is. And he's not coming back to me, but I'm going to him. He, he looks at this child and, he, and the death of this child, as, and he goes through the death as one who does not sorrow in the way the world sorrows. But now this is, folks, understand it. This is the death of another child. 
This is another child of David. And I understand he's a grown man, but he's still David's child. And anybody that has a grown child, are they still your baby? They are your baby. They're going to be your baby. They, they, somehow in your heart and mind, they never grow up. Well, that means a lot of things there, but... but <laughs> He's grown, Absalom's grown, but he's still David's child. Now, Absalom, though, uh, there's a long story here, an incredible story here. And, uh, and, and again, I have to at least give a, a brief uh, uh, survey of it because it, maybe some don't know the story. But, but Absalom, the son of David, uh, he has, uh, there's a, an, an interaction between Absalom and another brother, a half-brother named Amnon. Now, Amnon has uh, raped his own sister, Tamar. Uh, Tamar was Absalom's sister and, and Amnon's half-sister. And, and so a, a terrible thing takes place between Amnon and Tamar. Absalom knows about it and eventually kills Amnon. And after Amnon is killed, Absalom has to flee. David basically banishes Absalom. And, and after three long years, finally, David has to be tricked into bringing Absalom back from banishment. He doesn't decide to. He doesn't want to. But he's tricked into bringing Absalom back. When Absalom finally comes back, David says, you can come home and you can live here, but you cannot see my face. So there's a lot that goes on in this story. Absalom then rebels against David and tries to take the kingdom from David. This is where we are. The, the war has gone on. Absalom's trying to take the kingdom from David. And as they battle David's men and Absalom's men, Absalom is killed. Absalom dies in the battle. And there's so much in this, but, but here's what I want you to understand. When Absalom dies, now we see the response of David to this child's death. Completely different. One child dies and David gets up and washes himself and he, and he eats and he simply says, I know where my child is. I know that he won't come back to me, but I'll go to him. Absalom dies and here's what David says. We'll read it again. He says this, and the, and the punctuation, everything, I mean, the, the, uh, the exclamation points in the, in the Bible. He says, oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, would God I had died for thee? Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. David says, I should have died. Not you, Absalom. David is so devastated that David, that Honestly, the uh, leadership has to go to David and pull him up out of the depths of despair over the death of his son. They had to go and get him to come up. They said, man, the people are going to leave you because they think that you would rather all of them had died instead of Absalom. David's in such despair. What's the difference, folks? The difference, in one word, is relationship. Relationship. I said that we need to make the most of the opportunities with those we love. Listen, while Absalom lived, David squandered his opportunities to keep a right relation with, relationship with Absalom. 
David was the leader. David could have mended this relationship with Absalom at any time. David could have called. There's a total of seven years from, from the time that, that, that Amnon dies. And even before that, there's a, we'll deal with it, but there's, there's before that, there's even more time. But seven years from the time that Amnon dies to the time that Absalom dies. Or Absalom, even more than that, for the time that Absalom finally comes back. Seven years. There's no indication ever that David tried to mend the relationship. Never. I said, take advantage of the time you have together. While Absalom lived, David banished him, and the time they could have had was lost. When Absalom was brought home, David refused to see him. Talk about time being lost. He's brought home now. He's not in another country. He's brought home now. We don't even know how far they lived apart. Maybe not very far apart. They, they, but they were not allowed to even see each other or communicate with each other. And folks, this is mind-boggling, but we have family members that, that maybe live across the road from each other. We have family members that live across town from each other. And in the society we're in, they can live across the nation, across the world, but we won't contact them or talk to them. Hello? Folks, let me just help you. You think, well, I'm not going to talk to them, not till they say I'm sorry. You won't feel that way the day they're laid in a grave. You'll be standing there as I've seen so many, and you'll be begging for another chance. Well, you have a chance right now if they're still living. And I'm not saying you've got to carry on some hour-long conversation, but you can at least say, listen, I know even if they're upset at you, say, you know what, you may be upset at me, but I want you to know that I love you. Yeah. Fast and pray for them, I said. There's no evidence at all in the Scripture that David ever fasted or prayed for Absalom. We've got this incredible division between a father and a son, and there's never one time did it say that David fasted and prayed for him. And that's why I'm going to emphasize again, folks, listen, we're going to end up like David and Absalom if we don't fast and pray for those that we, we have a, a division. And can I tell you, if we don't have a division, Let's fast and pray for them anyway. We may be fine right now. Let's fast and pray for our loved ones anyway so we never have that division. I said, forgive them. And I'll state again, it's clear that David did not forgive Absalom of the murder of Amnon. You say, well, my goodness, Absalom murdered Amnon, but wait a minute. Tamar was Absalom's sister. Tamar was David's daughter. Amnon was a half-brother and David's son, and he did something unthinkable to his own half-sister. Well, what's more unthinkable is that there's no evidence again that David ever did anything about it. Nothing. 
It's never mentioned. It's not David never corrected him. David never punished him. And, and the scripture tells us that he knew about it. He did nothing. Absolutely nothing. And so Absalom does what, honestly, what, you see, in a case like this, Amnon should have been banished at the least and put to death at the worst. One of those two should have happened to him, but nothing took place. So Absalom takes it upon himself, and he should not have done it, but he takes it upon himself to, to enact the judgment upon Amnon. So, okay, Amnon did something that David never punished him for. Absalom now does something that's, in, in, in the sight of God, the two of them really judgment-wise are not much different. But David never wants a relationship with him. Never tries to have a relationship with him. He banishes him. And has to be tricked into even bringing him home. But says, okay, you tricked me into bringing him home. But if I'm going to bring him home, okay, he can come home. But he cannot see my face. That's, you know what, Absalom actually says that. He says that, you know, I should have just stayed in Geshur. If I'm going to come home and can't see the king's face. He even comes to the point, he says, I'm going to see the king even if he kills me. He says, I'm going to see my father. Absalom wants a mended relationship, wants it desperately, but David doesn't. David refuses it. And I believe he refuses it because he refuses to forgive Absalom for what he did. And folks, we're talking about serious stuff here. We're refusing to forgive people because they got something we didn't get. We're refusing to forgive people because they said something one day and hurt our feelings. We're refusing to forgive people because they, they, they uh, uh, because mama liked them better than they did me. I mean, we, we got all kinds of things. We're refusing to forgive. Listen, I beg you, if there's somebody that you're estranged from, whoever they are, Forgive them and make this thing right before it's eternally too late. David wouldn't. He refused. No, not going to do it. Now I said, humble yourselves for them. Be willing to lie in the spiritual dirt to prove your love for someone. David never humbled himself and admitted he had failed Absalom. You know all David had to do? When Absalom finally came home or while Absalom was gone, he could have sent people against, go get Absalom. He's been banished, and, and look, that, he's been banished long enough, and he should not have done it, but, but really something should. I was wrong because I, I did not do anything with Amnon. I should have punished him, and if I had punished him, maybe Absalom would have never acted like this. Hey, you know, I pushed Absalom to this. I was wrong if he had just humbled himself and sent word to Absalom and said, Absalom, I was wrong. I loved you. Come home. I don't believe Absalom would have ever rebelled against him. And repent of the wrong that you've done toward them. Say, I'm sorry. So easily, I believe these, this little phrase, I am sorry, 
if it had been uttered by David to Absalom, I believe that it could have changed the whole story in the Word of God. If David had just said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Absalom. I'm sorry for this last seven years. I'm sorry that you've had to come here to me. But David never did that. David made no attempt during the life of Absalom to make, the relation, make right the relationship. This left David, listen to me, this left David with intense regret and sorrow. Hey, truth is, Absalom's now gone. Wherever he is, I don't know. I, I think by the level of regret, David does not believe Absalom's going to be in heaven. He sorrowed as one that has no hope when this took place. If we do not take advantage of the time and opportunities that we do have, we will cry out in vain and in pain for the loss when it comes. Y'all understand me? Are anybody hearing me? If we don't take advantage of the moment that we have, right? Listen to me. I, I'm just telling you, somebody in here needs to go to somebody somewhere across this old world, in this nation, somewhere in this town, in this city, somewhere even in this church and say, I am sorry. And you say, what if they don't accept it? You have made right the relationship. It's not just the loss of a relationship, but the loss that can never be recovered. You see, David lost a relationship, but because of the way he acted and reacted, he also lost something that could never be recovered. For the rest of his life, he had to live with the reality that he allowed this separation to take place, and he never did anything to, 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 to mend it, to bring it back. And it's a loss that should never have been. And it may even have been a loss of internal soul. David could have helped Tamar. David could have punished Amnon. David could have forgiven Absalom just as God had forgiven David. Do you ever think about this? Think about this now, folks. David had already, forg- had, had already committed adultery and watch this, murder. And God forgave him. Folks, listen to me. Has God forgiven you of some stuff? David was forgiven by God for murder. The same thing Absalom did. And David wouldn't forgive. Isn't it amazing? God forgives us, and we're so glad that he forgives us of the sin that we commit and the horrible things that we do, and we want God. God, please forgive me. God, please cleanse me. God, I know I messed up so bad. Dear God, please forgive me. And you know what? God forgives you. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and then somebody comes and does something to us, and we won't forgive. And that's exactly what David did. David had been forgiven of murder, but he wouldn't forgive Absalom. David could have received Absalom home and looked upon his face just as God had received David. Do you understand that God received David when he confessed his sin? He, God was, David was able to go back to God and look spiritually face to face in God. But David says, no, you come back, I don't want to see your face. 
It is amazing. God never told David, I never want to see your face again. David could have asked Absalom to come to him just as God says, draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. He could have looked at David could have said, you know what? David could have looked and said, Absalom, just start this way. You won't even have to get to the house. I'll, I'll go and meet you. Is there anybody, if they called you right now and said, hey, I just want to make this right, that you would say, uh, no, I'm not going there. David waited too long. In his pride, his anger, his bitterness, he never tried to reconcile the situation. And now, Absalom is dead. Because he waited too long. And now all the regret, all the lost opportunities, all the what could have beens come flooding to the soul of David as he realizes this was his fault. His son dies in rebellion against him and rebellion against God, but it did not have to be. David had to live knowing he had helped to physically and spiritually destroy his son. And I understand that every man must give account of himself to God. But David still had to understand that he helped Absalom down this path of destruction. The scripture says, pride goeth before fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. I, I can't. I don't know who or how. And I don't know and I'd hope that it's nothing now. But folks, I know, I, I've watched it. I've seen it in families. I've seen it in my own family. It's why even to today, I refuse. My dad I pray God gives him years more. But if he doesn't, God being my witness, God being my help, I will not let things come between me and my brother. It just don't matter. But our relationships matter. Relationships can be eternal. Things vanish away. And you may not be facing it now, but I, I, you, it, somewhere along the way it's going to come. And somewhere along the way you may even have to look at family members that want conflict. And you may have to, forgive me, humble yourself and say, it's not worth fighting over. If that's what you want, you have it, and I'm glad that you do. It's okay. I don't know what you face, but I'm just, I'm begging you. I, I'm warning you. 
when that day comes and, and that, I, and I've said this before and, I, and I'll be done with this, but my girls are all grown now. And I don't know if y'all realize it, but when they were kids, they fought. Anybody believe that? And they fought. And some years ago, they, they were at home over something, and, and they got a little bit of a spat, two or three of them, four or five of them, eight or ten of them, I don't know, but they got in some kind of little spat. And I called them all together, and I said, uh, time out, we can't do that anymore. And they're looking at me like, Dad, we're grown. And I said, yeah, well, I'm growner. And I'm going to just tell you, you can't do it anymore. And here's why. When you were little girls and you got in a fight, you got in a squabble, you went to bed in the same house. You're going to have to get up tomorrow and have breakfast together. And before the next day's out, you're going to have to defend your sister at school. Something's got, we're going to have to work this all out because we live together. What you don't understand is, is now you live in different worlds. And you have an argument right now, here's what happens. You all pack up tomorrow, and this one goes there, this one goes there, this one goes there, and here's what you do. Over the next months, that thing doesn't decrease, it increases. And it can grow into a conflict where you don't even talk to each other for years. I said, so watch this. All issues have to be resolved now. Got to. And you know what, folks? We're adults. And if there's ever anybody in this room that I say something, do something, I, listen, forgive me, I pick at people, okay? I joke with people. If, if ever this is a bad day for you and me joking with you just really hurts your feelings, if that ever happens, look at me and tell me so, because I don't want to. And I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I'm sorry, I really didn't mean to. Shut up, Toby. <laughs> I don't want to hurt anybody, but I sure don't want you to walk out the door carrying that feeling. Because I was stupid. Or because I carried a joke too far. Or because I, whatever. I want it right. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord, I, I hope this has made sense. Dear God, I hope that what's been said tonight.